and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, you're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. love learning about interior design? Want to take a deeper dive into topics like feng shui, window treatments, pattern mixing, artwork placement, etc.? Well, you won't want to miss my online classes. I have a series of three online classes that you can take in your free time covering topics from feng shui to styling and accessorizing to selecting furniture and furniture placement. Additionally, with that bundle of three classes, you also get a complimentary copy of my book. I'll even sign it for you. You get all of that for only $99. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com classes to read even more and to purchase your bundle today. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com backslash classes. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Such exciting news to announce today. Guys, you've been waiting. Drumroll, please. You've been waiting for me to announce the winners of our review contest. Back in December, I asked you guys to head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, and in exchange, you would be entered to win one of my online classes. Well, I am very excited to announce that I have those winners today. I'm going to be announcing the names, reading the reviews of the people who have won our contest, and all they have to do is go to Betsy at uploft.com. Once again, email B-E-T-S-Y at U-P-L-O-F-T dot com. Betsy at uploft.com. Just email me letting me know, hey, Betsy, that's me. And I will reply to your email with access to your free online class. 45 minutes of more interior design knowledge, typically a $40 value delivered to you free of charge for leaving me a review for which I am very grateful. So where's that drum roll? Let me get to the winners. The first winner is Sin Dawn. That's C-I-N-D-O-N. She writes, or he, or they, write, 
Betsy is a joy to listen to as she shares her practical ideas on interior design. Her no-nonsense advice style is a hoot. There is nothing stuffy about this podcast. I feel more empowered to make my home a place I will love spending time in every time I listen. Sindon, thank you so much for that amazing review. Write me, send me that quick email letting me know it's you, and I'll reply with your free class. Let's get to the second winner. The second winner is Emerald Isle 23. Emerald Isle 23 wrote, I have recently discovered this podcast and I am so pleased. Betsy has such a logical way she approaches interior design dilemmas. I love hearing her opinions. Well, Emerald Isle 23, I love that you shared your review with everyone on iTunes. As you guys have heard me say before, and you may already know, leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or another platform is the very best way to grow our podcast, to show your appreciation. It means so very much. So if you have a spare second, please go over to the place where you get your podcast feed and leave us a review. It will help other people find us. It helps us stay at the top of the charts. It means so much. Emerald Isle 23, send me that email and I'll get you that free class. Now, as you guys know, who've been listening for my seven years of podcasting, can you believe it? Seven years. One of my favorite things to do to kick off the new year is to share some interior design trends with you. Now, there's two types of interior design trends. There's the interior design trends for the new year that you will find on places like Apartment Therapy, Better Homes and Gardens, the ones that everyone seems to be talking about and banding about for different reasons. So I'm going to share some of those with you today and give you my thoughts because not all trends are good. And everybody loves to release a hot, hot trend list for the new year, but some of it's just noise, and I'm going to walk you through that in my humble opinion today. And then I'm also going to be sharing some things that I am currently obsessed with, things that may not be industry-wide trends, but things that are lighting up me and my design experience as I work for clients, and of course, as you know, as I transform my own home. So many of you have written to me and said, Betsy, tell us more about your journey. Tell us what's going on with the house. So before I dive into those trends, I'm going to share a little bit about what's going on with my own design process. I was super gung-ho in November. A lot of my clients are very gung-ho in October, November because they're getting ready for the holidays. And in my case, I'd been designing since September. I'd made all the obvious choices. I'd gotten some light fixtures in our house so we could finally see. I had, you know, done the foundational rooms in terms of all the bedrooms and my office so that my kids, my husband could have that nice place to rest, that safe space, and so that I could have a place to be productive and work. All those areas were done. The things that weren't done the formal living room, the formal dining room, my husband's TV room, our family room. These rooms were left to flounder. And the reason is because I needed big pieces, big important pieces that needed a lot of consideration that often had long lead times due to supply chain issues. And there just felt like so much more at stake. 
I was going to be spending a lot of money. And even though I've purchased this house, I know this is my own mental block, guys. I've purchased this house. It is the house for the next 10 to 20 years. There is no question about that. I am having a hard time committing to spending the big bucks. In our bedrooms, I know that no matter where we go, those items can go with us. A queen bed can fit into almost any bedroom that I would be moving to. The dresser, the mirror, the rug. I felt good about committing to those items. Downstairs, I need a 10-foot long formal dining table. I'm not going to be able to take that anywhere with me. For some reason, maybe it's my history of moving every year when I lived in New York City or moving every five to six years when I lived in Brooklyn and then Westchester, I'm just feeling like this isn't as stable and steady as I might think. I'm having a hard time saying, you know what, what does forever really mean? My kids are older. I can invest. They're not going to color on the furniture, even though In the new cream sectional I did finally pull the trigger on in the family room, I did yesterday night find a candy bar wrapper in the cushion. So I know someone's been eating chocolate candy bars on our cream sofa. And then the wrappers, I'm not going to blame them for shoving the wrappers inside the cushion, but I am suspicious, suspicious. And somehow they're getting in there, uh, which is definitely not allowed. So this is the reason why... I've kind of been dragging my feet in terms of fulfilling the design I've already created in that formal living room, in that formal dining room. I've got all the pieces mapped out. I have some of them selected, but this is where you start spending that money. This is where the investments start turning into commitments, start turning into fear. And I'm just okay having them empty for a little while longer. You know, I did that big push, like I was saying in November. I was like, let me tackle that formal dining room. We're entertaining both Thanksgiving and Christmas and Christmas Eve, actually. Uh, So let me pull the trigger. I purchased a table because I knew I could get it December 17th. So I'd get Christmas Eve and Christmas dinner taken care of. I pulled the trigger. I spent the thousands of dollars in Crate and Barrel. They promised me December 17th delivery. I had someone waiting all day. Grandma, thank you. Shout out to Grandma. At my house, waiting for this delivery, it never showed. I called very irate. Uh, My design assistant called very irate. They rescheduled for December 21st. We waited all day. They never showed. We ate off a $45 card table, uh, extendable folding table, I guess I should say, from Walmart on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Uh, So I found myself so depressed when I finally was able to pull the trigger, when I finally did commit to two sofas in my formal living room, both of them from Tav Furniture came hopelessly damaged. They were velvet and they had all sorts of marks and scrapes and scuffs. And I didn't even bother taking the tags off. I instantly saw this was a problem. But by then the delivery team was already gone. So the more I tried to get ahead during this time, the less traction I was able to make, and it became super disheartening and actually depressing. So I said, you know what? I'm going to wait. 
this is not my time. And even though I know that the big sales are this month, January is the best time to buy things for your home other than Black Friday and sometimes July. This is the month for sales. This is the month to capture those good prices because in February, when those new items arrive, not only are they not going to be on sale, there's also going to be a huge kind of industry-wide markup of furniture. And it's going up significantly due to all the supply chain issues. Even that is not prompting me to make these selections because I'm depressed uh, with the results I've currently had, because I'm having a hard time committing and actually visualizing that the investment I make in this furniture that really couldn't fit in any other home is going to work here and that we're going to be here for a long time to enjoy it. And because I'm busy, I'm busy and distracted with other things and what used to feel inspiring and fun and like something I'd love to do on the couch while I watch reality TV is now just another thing on the to-do list. And returning those items that came damaged that were disappointing is also another thing on the to-do list. I've lost the, the thrill. I've lost the inspiration. And because these rooms are somewhat more formal, I can afford to wait and just check myself before I wreck myself. <laughs> Just really think about what do I want? How much do I want to spend? Let's reconsider. I just want to find that excitement again, basically. I have the vision. I know exactly what I'm looking for. And I just have no passion for finding it. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you clamoring for even more interior design content, more tips, more pictures, more episodes? Well then, you'll want to become a premium member. For as little as $5.99 a month or for $29.99 for six months, you'll get access to not only our monthly bonus episode, you'll also get access to our complete archive of past bonus episodes. That's nearly 100 episodes of additional content. And you'll be supporting our podcast, not only helping to keep us on the air, but helping us to make really exciting changes like getting that YouTube channel, getting transcripts for our show, show notes, etc. We love our premium members and we'd love to have you be a part of it. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. On the right-hand side, you'll see the premium button. Just press it to get started today. So I'm sorry to give you this update, guys. I wish I could be more excited, but that's what's really going on. And I love to be real with you guys and perhaps it, um, perhaps it resonates with you. I'm pouring myself into my client projects, into the most amazing webinar that we recently hosted um, so that people could learn more about the Academy and join and transform their lives this year. I'm just going where my passion is versus forcing myself to transform my home because it's currently a little bit empty. All right, there we go. There we go. Let's get into those trends. So this is going to be a two-part podcast. This is part one, and we're going to have part two next week. But for part one, I'm going to kick it off with a few trends that you'll find online and then a few of my own personal obsessions, and then we're going to move into the rest of them next week. Kicking it off, one of the hot trends that you'll find at these various places is rugs with fringe. Now, 
I am a huge fan of rugs with fringe. Fringe is kind of those tassels on the edge, two edges of the rug, typically the shorter edges, right? So sometimes you'll find a binding on the larger edges or it'll just be all the way to the edge, but then you'll have these fun little tassels or tufts at the ends, the shorter ends, and those are considered the fringe. I don't like fringe if you're a little bit OCD, because you're going to be constantly concerned that it's not perfectly aligned. Sometimes the fringe goes under the rug. Sometimes it's not straight or the fringes are overlapping each other. It can drive you mad. But fringe can also add a really cute texture, a fun detail. And for so long as an interior designer, I personally had the philosophy that fringe, uh, this is going to be a little bit hard to understand. But fringe, say you're doing a rug under a bed, right? Rug under a bed, the fringe needs to go on the short sides. And we know that typically a rug under a bed is at the foot of the bed, making a T-shape being perpendicular with the actual bed itself. So that on the sides of the bed, that's where you would find the fringe. Well, when I was designing my own home, I picked a rug with this amazing six-inch long fringe for my bedroom. This rug is big. The fringe is long. It is dramatic. I decided to let the OCD go, even though that does tend to be my um, tendency. I decided to let it go and be okay if the fringe, because it's six inches long, wound up overlapping, wound up getting tucked inside, wasn't constantly perfectly parallel to the other pieces of fringe. That's a big step for me. But then... Once the rug arrived, I decided to change the layout of my room. Now, this is very rare, but in my primary bedroom, there were three possible arrangements of the bed. And one felt like the winner, but I only liked it because I could see all the windows. And as you guys know, I live in the woods now, and all my windows were facing this beautiful landscape of trees and sunsets. And it was just so inspiring to feel like you're waking up in a little treehouse. However, it was one of the shorter walls, which compromised the size of our nightstands and also made it so that the bed was not the first thing that you saw when you walked in. So it felt less opulent, less grand, less visually compelling having the bed on this shorter wall, even if it did face these magnificent windows. I bought the rug thinking that would be my placement. After living in the space for about two months, I realized I want that grand wow factor. It's not as important to me what I see from bed because most of the time my eyes are closed. It'll be more important to me to walk into my room every day and be like, wow, this is a really stately bedroom. Look at how amazingly large this is. Look at how wide my nightstands could be. Uh, So I wound up putting the bed in front of the windows, which meant that I was moving this bed just 45 degrees, which meant, or actually it's 90 degrees, thinking about it now, it's 90. So which meant that this rug, because of the orientation of the room, could not change. And it meant that the fringe was going to be both behind the bed and in front of the bed, something I would never normally do, something that, you know, violates the use of fringe in my opinion. But this rug was so large, you can't turn it any other way. And so I was like, Betsy, it's really going to bug me, right? This fringe being at the head and the foot of the bed versus the side. I think what I'm going to need to do is cut this fringe off. Now, 
that's not a good idea, guys. We don't know how that's going to turn out. And this rug was expensive. And sure, I could practice on a part that's behind the bed. But I decided, let's just leave well enough alone for now. I have enough problems, as you can hear. And it turns out, I really also like the fringe behind the bed and at the foot of the bed. It looks fantastic. So that's my little fringe story. I'm a big fan of fringe. I think it dresses up some of the more um, basic polypropylene rugs that have the binding on either side. I hate that kind of whip-stitched binding on either side that you'll see with polypropylene acrylic and nylon rugs. And the only thing I like about them is when they come with a little bit of fringe, which feels like it dresses it up, feels like it changes the vibe of the binding a little bit for me. And those bound acrylic nylon rugs, I'm not saying I never use them. In fact, in my last storefront, I had a really big one because they're so easy to clean. They're very low profile. They don't catch a lot of dirt, dust, mud, snow. So when people would walk in off the street, it wasn't tracking that stuff in. Additionally, I bought one for my cottage because it's really big. And my cottage has a hot tub right outside. So I'm constantly kind of going in and out with wet feet and, you know, dripping and making my way through the cottage to the bathroom uh, to shower off the chlorine from the hot tub. And so it's really important to me that this rug is not too precious or special, which is another perfect reason why I would do the acrylic or nylon or polypropylene with the bound edge. All right. I went on a tangent there, but you understand. You understand. Let me get to a next trend. One of the trends right now that's really big is not necessarily mixing styles, but mixing eras. So mixing in authentic mid-century modern with contemporary pieces, mixing in true antiques with pieces that you just recently bought off of the retail showroom. And again, this is a trend I am 150% behind. I have always loved mixing old with new. I think it's because my dad was an auctioneer and I love thrift stores, flea markets, auctions, garage sales. I love pieces that have their own history long before they ever met me, maybe even before I was alive. I like not only living in homes that have that living, breathing history, but also having pieces in my space that kind of are curated from all these different years, but they need to go seamlessly together. They need to be in alignment with a style or a vision or that two-word phrase method. For instance, in my own home, because my home is so old and because there's a lot of details and also because I now live in Connecticut that is just resplendently filled with antiques. Oh my gosh, I'm drooling on these auction websites. In the summer, I can't wait to resume my garage sailing uh, where I will find all of these yummy, yummy gilded golden antiques that I never would have gravitated before, gravitated to before, excuse me, except now that I'm living in this antique style home. Anywho, my whole vision is And by vision, let's put it in terms of the podcast, two-word phrase is fancy mid-century modern. So I'm using some authentically mid-century modern pieces with the hutch in my dining room that I got off of Cherish, 
with um, some little accent pieces that I've curated along the way and have had with me from the 50s and 60s with an amazing armchair I got at a flea market. But then also I've got that fancy word. That's my feeling word. I want it to feel fancy. And the fancy allows me to bring in actual antiques. I have gilded mirrors, gilded frames, ornately kind of um, embossed items in metal. I've got amazing filigreed bookends. I'm incorporating antiques a lot. Like whenever I have a contemporary piece, I'm layering an antique piece on top, almost 50-50, except really none of my large primary furniture pieces are antique. Uh, but certainly with those in, uh, accessories, with those accents, with the artwork, I am putting it in there. And it has been so fun to really, every time I buy a contemporary piece, think what old piece am I putting next to this? What old piece am I putting on top of this? And the other thing that's been great about this is, you know, I'm currently having commitment issues with my house and I'm getting these antiques from these auction websites, from these garage sales for super cheap. So it's making me feel really good too, because as the retail prices are skyrocketing, the prices on these websites and at garage sales is pretty much staying the same. I'm always shocked with how much these things are at like thrift stores or even flea markets. They can be quite extravagantly priced in my opinion, but garage sales and these auction websites are still those special spots where you can snag an amazing deal. That's just my tip to you. So I love this tip, uh, or I'm sorry, this trend of mixing things up. And certainly you don't have to go full antique or mid-century modern. You can choose any era you want and be mixing it with things that you're buying right now. Love it, love it, love it. Let's get into another trend that I've been talking about for a while and can fully get behind. This trend is two-tone lighting. So you've heard me on other podcasts. In fact, I think it was just last week or the week before talking about mixing metals with light fixtures. I love pulling in light fixtures that have bronze as well as brass. It allows me to work with both metal tones in the room and light fixtures light themselves up. So they draw attention to themselves, thus immediately signaling to the person who's looking at the rest of the room, hey, I'm dealing with both bronze and brass in this room. I love silver and black metal light fixtures. A big orb chandelier that's both black metal as well as silver can set the stage for the rest of the room so that I can use wrought iron over here and chrome over here, and it will all make visual sense. I am totally embracing this in my own space where I've leaned in hard to brass, which I've never used before in any of my spaces my personal spaces. I use it a lot for clients and have always been like, oh, that's not my speed. It is totally my speed in this house that already had a ton of brass doorknobs, hinges, uh, fireplace, metal finishes. I am in it and loving every minute, but it gets a little too much. It gets a little over the top in terms of this golden look, this gilded opulence. And a lot of this stuff really wasn't that expensive. So it can look a little cheesy if you don't tone it down by incorporating another metal like bronze. So two-tone light fixtures, whether it's a chandelier, whether it's a floor lamp, whether it's a table lamp, or even a wall sconce, I just think it's such an amazing way to kind of break things up and allow you permission to bring in different metals as you want. 
Guys, those are the trends I am seeing for 2023 part one. You won't want to miss part two, which is coming up next week. And in part two, I'm not only going to be reviewing some trends that I've been seeing online, but also those things that I'm currently obsessed with. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at a couple of them because gosh knows I have surprised myself. A couple of them break my old design rules and uh, there we go. Rules are made to be broken. In 2023, I hope you're breaking some rules. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I hope you head over to Affordable Interior Design's YouTube channel and subscribe so that way my son will stop giving me grief that his channel has a lot more subscribers than mine. And that way you can see everything that I'm talking about on these different episodes. Guys, it's been such a pleasure. Until next time, bye. Have you ever dreamed of becoming an interior designer? You don't want to go back to university, you don't want to work for a large firm, but you just don't know how to get started. You want flexibility, you want to pursue your passion, and you want to make income. Well, you should definitely check out the Uploft Interior Design Academy. It's my proprietary program that I've used internally for years and have made available to the public. Not only do you get video modules that you can take at your own pace, but you also get one-on-one coaching sessions with me, group coaching sessions with our Facebook group of Academy students, and so much more. If you're interested, Get more information and sign up for an exploratory call with me at affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. It's time to start living the life of your dreams. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.